Greetings, hello, and welcome to the Paul Bunyan podcast, a weekly, or at least we try to make a weekly podcast where we dive deep into the world of Michigan and Michigan State football and basketball. I'm Joe, the Spartan. I'm Mike, the Wolverine. And on this episode, we're going to start off talking about the first matchup of the year between the Wolverines and Spartans, a Spartan victory at Breslin Center, and then the week of games that followed for both teams and what's ahead. On this first segment of the Paul Bunyan Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7, we will be talking about the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game, the whole Michigan-Michigan State basketball game, and nothing but the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game. I'd like to get my thoughts on Matt Millen instead. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the first half was pretty much what I expected the whole game to be like. I I think I predicted a 10-point win for Michigan State, and you predicted, like, five, Six. six. Which first half was right on pace for that. I believe it was 39-35 at halftime. It was. Really tense, um, back and forth. I thought I was a genius because then I looked it up, and I think Ken Palm had the spread at six and Torvik had it at five. And the first half kind of seemed like it was going to be that way. Yeah. And I actually have some thoughts about the first half. I didn't, yeah, not we'll, to cut we'll you start off. start on but, the first half. Okay. Makes sense to start there. You could say this game was a tale of two halves, and you could even say the first half was a tale of two uh, quarters, halves. I don't know how you would do that. The half was a tale of two halves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but things were tight in the first half, as you kind of said. I think the graphic went up. I wish I would have wrote this down um, uh, about the absurd number of ties and lead changes because it was so back and forth. Yeah. And I think, like, the biggest lead was four for a while. Yeah, it was close. And I really felt like the first 10 minutes, it felt like it was going to go Michigan's way. Um, they did a great job of drawing fouls. They dominated the boards and just yeah. getting several easy buckets uh, by a lot using a lot of slip action, mostly close to the rim. It felt like Michigan State was working a lot harder to score than Michigan had to it in the first We'll call it the first quarter. Well, the first 10 minutes, I wrote this down too. State was turning the ball over, and then the next half hour or 30 minutes of play, they didn't do that nearly as much. Yeah. Um, and it kind of felt like if either team kind of shored some things up, they could go on a run. Um, I think I saw you actually say something live tweeting during the game. Which is rare. I don't do that often. Yeah. I, I Sometimes it's <laughs> the, the, this, no matter what's happening on the field or court, sometimes – Staying off Twitter makes the game more enjoyable, even yeah. if your team's winning. Just yeah, just like a side note, like if I'm tweeting during the game, like I'm just feel like I'm missing something. So usually I'll wait until halftime to like tweet out some key stats or like a, a long commercial break. I'll tweet out something, depending, or I just won't tweet at all during a game. Depending on the person too, uh, there's people out there that can give insight. Um, and kind of paint an even better picture of what the game is. Or, yeah. And then there's the people, um, and I have some friends like this, 
that are as hardened fans as me. But if the team like Michigan isn't playing as well as they could, despite how much they're winning by, I'll just get a text that says, ugh. Yeah. I'm like, don't send me that. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're like ruining my mood. <laughs> like, not, not, not that I'm like totally happy with how my team's playing, but there's a certain buzz of, of, of beating Toledo by 15 at a, you know, halfway <laughs> through the second half. Yeah, maybe Michigan should be up by 25, just theoretically. Yeah. But you're just really sending me bad vibes because it's they're only winning by 15. Yeah. And um, I felt like early on. The second chance points and the turnovers were big in in favor of Michigan, which you know we talk about when whenever we discuss Michigan State basketball, it's always turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. But that's not anything unique to this specific team. That's just a Tom Izzo thing. Like when you run the style of when you run the way Tom Izzo's teams do, there's gonna be turnovers. It's like a quarterback in an air raid offense is gonna throw a lot of picks compared to like a conservative one. What's different about this team, though, is, you know, in the past, Michigan State's been able to survive off of having a lot of turnovers because they'll limit your offensive chances by not giving you second-chance points. This team is just not good at that. They give up so many offensive rebounds, so many second-chance points, and it looked like the first quarter, first 10 minutes, we'll call the first quarter, Michigan's bigs were just getting those second-chance rebounds. Uh, and, I mean, they actually uh, combined Dickinson and Diabate. I combined 36 points on 29 shots with 15 rebounds. Now I'll say, like, even as Michigan State pulled away, got in the double digits, blew them out, those two were still getting theirs. That's yeah. one of the better Diabate games. I wouldn't call it his best. Maybe even, like, maybe if you count in the opponent. but he's, Yeah, I mean, he almost had a double-double, uh, 11 points, 9 rebounds. Yeah, he's been up and down. Um, and we'll get into that in a later segment. But they got no help from anyone else, Michigan. They shot 37%, uh, I believe, from two and 16% from three. Yeah. On the flip side, State shot really well, 50, 50% from threes. And I, I don't remember their percentage as a whole. 55.4%. Yep. And did I get the Michigan ones right? I was yeah, yeah, doing that from memory. Correct. Yep. Good memory. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, Devontae Jones, like, kind of played his heart out. But, like, Houston, you got nothing from – you yeah. got nothing from a lot of other players. And that's the thing is, like, you know, I I was pretty hard on Devontae Jones a while ago. But Michigan State's got two capable point guards where on the days where that's working for them and the guy off the bench can bring the energy and then the starter can come back in with the energy, if you've just got one point guard that you can really rely on, Having to worry about those two different styles of point guards can just wear on you. And I don't. Frankie Collins only played seven minutes, according to ESPN stat tracker. And um, I think him and Buffkin will be good players. They're just not ready. Right. No, that's totally fair. Like I, I think the world of Buffkin and Collins. But yeah, like it's it's just tough on Devontae Jones. Brandon Jones needs to play better. Yeah. I also think, I mean, uh, before we get away from it, for sure, it felt like Tyson Walker early on was kind of turning the ball over. I'm not looking at the box score. And then once Hogard went out or went out there, like the turnover stopped. Yeah. Is is that what the box score shows? Yeah. So Walker finished with three turnovers, and I believe Hogard only had one. And Hogard had 10 assists. So Hogard had, I think, oh, great it's game. first. Yeah. Hogard might have been the MVP. Of How Hogard many MVP. minutes did Tyson play? Uh, 
Tyson Walker played 16 minutes, and then Hogard played 20. I wonder if some of those turnovers, too, were front-loaded because it felt like State struggled the first 10 minutes with turnovers, and then they, yeah. like, clean up. And you said, like, that's kind of been a theme this year where State kind of comes out sloppy. Yeah, and, and then kind of, like, like against Wisconsin, yeah. right? Yeah, and then, like, the next 30 minutes, they look like a much better, much more oiled machine. Yeah, so I, I kind of thought of it, like, this is where Michigan State's depth worked. Like, it really showed off in this game. And this was a game where, yeah, Michigan probably had the best player on the court in Hunter Dickinson. But Michigan State might have had, like, second through sixth best players on the court. And I, it was like a different player was for Michigan State was taking the reins for each quarter. Like, we call the first 10 minutes the first quarter. Max Christie's shooting kept Michigan from pulling away. And then the second quarter, the last 10 minutes before halftime, it was A.J. Hogard getting to the basket and either getting a layup for himself or actually passing it to his open teammates, which his coaches have been pleading with him to do. And then look at the second half. It was like 10 minutes where Gabe Brown was playing out of his mind and then Joey Hauser the last 10 minutes was having a – like just couldn't miss. So it was like Michigan State's depth was really being shown off on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, and they're playing against one of the teams that probably has the least amount of depth, at least if you don't count like the basement of the Big Ten. Right. Um, and it's just – I had someone ask me that is much more of a football fan than a basketball fan, like why that is. And it's like, well, when you have Brandon Johns not playing like a senior, yep. and then you have a bunch of freshmen – I mean, Michigan's really loaded with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and then a transfer guard. And if you look at this, might shock you, maybe not because of how he's played. Devonte Jones and Mike Smith's numbers are very, very similar. That does surprise me a little bit, but it's because Mike Smith had Shawnee Brown next to him. Yeah, he he was playing with Livers and Franz Wagner, and so like he Devon- wasn't expected to carry as much of a load. Devonte Jones is one of only three players, and that might be somewhat charitable that can create his own shot on Michigan. Yeah, like. Hunter Dickinson, Diabate, kind of. I don't even know if I'd count Diabate. Yeah. So you either have to give it to Dickinson or the other guys like Eli Brooks. Like, yeah, if he's open, that gives you a nice that, – that gives Michigan a nice shot. And then the other thing is Houston's, like, inconsistent with his threes, and he was cold. So, like, you have a way to score. You can either give it to Dickinson or you can have Devontae Jones drive – and while he's pretty good at that, he's not as good as he was playing in the Sun Belt because right. these are different players. A little, little bit higher competition. And you mentioned Brandon Johns. I'm, I'm going to bring up a player that I haven't mentioned yet, surprisingly. But I, I think Malik Hall is kind of what people wanted Brandon Johns to be. Is that fair, you think? Like, they play a pretty similar style and position. Yeah. The, another guy, and I guess he doesn't have as much uh style wise is uh Marcus Bingham. Oh yeah, Bingham, yeah. The first three years I thought Johns was the better player, but this year Bingham's much better. Yeah, and I I couldn't find the exact stats, but you could tell like when Bingham was on the court, life was a lot more difficult for Hunter Dickinson. Now it's not like Dickinson wasn't getting his, like he still was, but I believe Bingham blocked three of Hunter Dickinson's yeah. shots. And most of the production from Dickinson was being guarded by Marble and Sissoko and Hauser at times, which I, I mentioned having nightmares about Hauser trying to guard him. <laughs> Hauser, like late in the game, actually did some. He, he like switched it up. He, like 
Hauser came to Izzo and was like, I'm not going to be able to guard him like this. What if I try to front him instead? You know, and Izzo was like, that's how you think it's going to work. And to his credit, like, you know, you're not going to shut down Hunter Dickinson, but it, it did well. But yeah, Malik Hall, I'm going to talk a lot more about him on the next segment, but he's, he's quietly becoming Michigan State's best player. And, you know, I mentioned how there were like, you know, four quarters each. There was a different Michigan State player who stepped up. Malik Hall was the one constant. Like, he was just on the whole game. And, like I said, he's he's becoming Michigan State's best player if, if he's not already. The Bigs were definitely um, on the Michigan State side. They had their work cut out for them because on the Michigan side, those are the only guys that were really um, efficient when it came to the offense. Yeah. And there was only so much you could do. Part of what really bugged me, too, is – Beeline, I mean, I'm sure other teams did too, but Beeline really showed the blueprint of how to go against Michigan State teams. You have to draw fouls on the one side and force turnovers on the other side. Yeah. And Michigan didn't really do that. Like the bigs kind of were trying to draw fouls, but sometimes even if you don't have a pathway to the basket, just make the defense move and try to draw contact. And I felt like the guards <laughs> and the wings didn't do that well enough on Michigan. Yeah, and Michigan's defense, it seemed like, Oh, <laughs> they were just Michigan's defense. It just seemed like they were trying to quote unquote blitz the point guard. And Walker a few times got past it and got to the rim. AJ Hogard was just all day. The coaching staff didn't give, in the paint. The coaching staff didn't give Michigan uh, the players like any like wiggle room. Like it was just a bad strategy. Yeah, uh, just hard uh, hard ed- hedging on ball screens with the big guys. Like I understand. Like they might not of uh they might not have had enough trust in guys like Jones uh or uh uh Houston or the backups really right uh guarding them but I don't know like I at halftime if they would have made a change like at least you're giving yourself a chance in the second half because I don't care what the scoreboard says like and I also thought Michigan State had some slight momentum in the second uh, half of the, se- <laughs> the second quarter, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, the second quarter. Yeah, I agree because there was a point early in the game where it was, I was worried Michigan was going to start to pull away. Like, I think it was 14 to 8. And then Christie hit a three. Like I said, Christie's shooting early on kept Michigan State in the game. Yeah. And then there were points in that second quarter, like minutes 10 to 20 of the game, where Michigan State, it was clicking but it wasn't fully clicking. So Michigan State would go up by three or four, and then Marcus Bingham throws an outlet pass right to Diabate, who takes it in for an easy layup. And then it's a one-point game after you just got a stop and your momentum shifted. So there were a lot of opportunities in that closing stretch of the first half where Michigan State could have made it a five- to six- to seven-point game at halftime. And after the way it started, I was like, wow, I'm – glad Michigan State's ahead at halftime but then I was also like they could be up by more than just four points right now if save for like these there were like three really bad turnovers that directly led to Michigan baskets when Michigan State had kind of calmed down and started playing their style yeah and it seemed like anytime a team was about to make a run someone else would do something I know the uh Devante Jones actually had a steal and yeah, Tyson like, Walker threw yeah. it like right to him. Yeah. I was like, what with like doing? a minute and a half left. Yep. Yeah. Um, Thankfully for Tyson, he hit a three to close the first half to put Michigan State up by four. I feel like he really needed that boost, you know, because yeah. Tyson Walker 
gets kind of down on himself. And one thing that AJ Hogard does not do is get down on himself. <laughs> when AJ Hogard's on the court, he thinks it's AJ Hogard Hogard time. So <laughs> I was trying I was trying to find a stat, but uh I think Michigan actually led for more of the first half, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Since it turned into a blow blowout loss. Um Yeah. So like getting into the second half, there was just something about Michigan State's defense to start the second half that just set the tone 10 to two run. Yeah. I believe it was like at the over eight minutes into the second half. I think it was at the 10 45 mark. Michigan had scored six points in the second half. And it's not like Michigan state was having an on fire second half to that point offensively, but they were probably scoring on like two out of three possessions. Whereas Michigan was scoring on, on average, like one out of five possessions. A Michigan State was also getting out in a fast break, which is they didn't do as much in the first half, and that's you know Izzo's bread and butter. Yeah. And one of the things I really liked about Michigan the last four or five years, the last couple of years of Beeline and the first two years of Howard, is they really got a lot better when it came to stopping fast breaks. Yeah. Um, that was like something like even going back to like Beeline's first seven or eight years, even during those good teams, it's like oh. That was an amazing three from like 26 feet out. But despite the fact that the guy who made it's already at half court, they just allowed the other team to come down real quick and score two easy points. And like, uh, yeah, fast break as a whole, the defense hasn't been good this year, but like it wasn't good uh, on Saturday. I think, let me see. I think state either had 28 or 32. Yeah. uh, Like 28 fast break points. The the fast break points and the bench points were Far and away, the things that Michigan State, Michigan, one of the biggest been, reasons why Michigan State won the game. Michigan didn't even have a bench point in the first half. Yeah, whereas like, I mean, it's it helps when arguably your best player and most consistent scorer Malik Hall comes off the bench. You know, like, so the term bench, you know, is a little bit misused because Hogard got more playing time than Walker. You know, Hall got more playing time than Bingham and Hauser. So that term is a little bit mixed up but you know when you have malik hall and aj hogard coming off the bench like that you know that that's gonna boost your points a lot because hogard had 11 and hall had 15 off the bench yeah and i I mean i talk about some youth and then uh transfer but like i I definitely have no excuses for brian johns but i think even guys like terrence williams need to be better i know like he didn't get a lot of time last year but i mean just because i mean you're a sophomore so is hunter dickinson right we can have like some expectation for you I mean, to he have... was a big time recruit like i don't think it was a five star uh, oh terrence. no he was, he, was, he was like a four star right yeah he was four star out of the same area Top 100 yeah he was out of the same area as hunter dickinson too right what? wasn't he from is the he maryland that, he might be let's see yep maryland yeah, um, like not not that he's been consistently bad or anything, but I think it's fair to expect more out of him, especially if Brandon Johns isn't playing better, because that should like theoretically give you an opportunity. And after the way Jace Howard played in the Illinois game, like I'm ready to give him more minutes. Like <laughs> they would, yeah. they had him at a at the five for long stretches of that game, and he was going up against um. Uh, Illinois big man Kofi 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 Coburn yeah and it's like and he I, like he was holding his own yeah like, he I mean he was just you know it was enthusiasm and energy and I'm not like necessarily saying we need to put him 
at the five, um, which is funny, he's listed on a Mich- Michigan's official website as a guard. I kind of think of him as a three or a four. <laughs> That's funny. He's six seven, only two twenty five, so maybe. But uh, yeah, I think of him as more of a three or four. But I would love to see him play more time at three or four. Yeah, like um, folds, you know, playing the five. Like, <laughs> I don't get me wrong, he he's been fine on defense. What little they used him, but I I might be okay with Howard getting uh, time at the five over even folds. Yeah. So in terms of matchups, you know, we spent a good amount of time dissecting what we thought the matchups would be. It, it kind of did turn out to be what we thought. Like, I, I believe. Which one did I say? Did I say so Houston Brooks, and uh, Christie or? I think Houston and Brown were guarding each other. Yeah. And then Brooks and Christie. Or not Brooks. Uh, yeah, Brooks. Sorry, I was thinking for some reason Pierre Brooks off Michigan State's bench for a second. But <laughs> Eli Brooks and Max Christie were guarding each other. And Eli Brooks actually had the most minutes out of anybody. He played 38 minutes. And then Dickinson had. 34 how tall is max christie uh i'm gonna say pretty tall yeah because uh, brooks <laughs> is 6-1 and i thought even though i didn't like michigan's game plan i do think part of their uh game plan was um design uh a design around like michigan's best defenders uh perimeter defenders uh some some sites have some sites have christie listed as 6-6 some at 6-7 so Somewhere in there. Brooks is six one, and I think he might actually be six foot. So either yeah. way, uh, Brooks or uh, Christy probably has like seven inches on him. But yeah, Christy finished with sixteen points to lead Michigan State. But that, that they kind of did what I said they would do, which was not double team Hunter Dickinson and just kind of let him get his. Which I mean, you're gonna try to stop him. It's not like you're just gonna give him an open lane to the basket, but. Hunter Dickinson one-on-one against most college centers. He's going to put up numbers, and that's exactly what he did. But Tom Izzo said in the postgame, like, they were also trying to get him running a lot to wear him down because they knew they could put Sissoko and Marble and Bingham in there and even Hauser at the five at times, whereas Michigan, you know, Dickinson, they knew Dickinson was going to get 30-plus minutes, and eventually he was going to wear down. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's really smart because Dickinson's one of the few players that can create his own shot. And the thing you don't want to do is double him and then him find an open Eli Brooks or yeah. open Houston, and then boom, you got a three. And one thing I really like that Michigan State did early to open both halves was get Marcus Bingham a quick basket because obviously I, I don't think Bingham gets too concerned about his offensive numbers. I mean, you finished the game with – four points so you know the first basket of the first half and then the first basket of the second half but I think it was important for his confidence to know like with Dickinson guarding him one-on-one he could turn around and make a shot over him you know I I think that just gives him a little bit of a a confidence boost to play defensively so I I thought that was a really low-key smart move by Michigan State to feature Bingham to open both halves I, I did say that Terrence Williams was a top 100 recruit uh, composite. He was 101, and 24-7, he was 105. No, pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember some rival fans. He was, but, he was like a four-star on most sites. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember a four, uh, like early on when Michigan had three uh, recruits. I think one was Will Scheider, who... Uh, Will Cheddar? Yeah, yeah, Will Cheddar. That's how I don't you think say. he's played this year, right? No, he's returned. He was like 130... 
you had Terrence Williams just outside the 100. Then they had someone else, and rival fans were like, Michigan only has one top 100 recruit. Because, <laughs> you know, technically, right, yeah. as much as Shutter and uh, <laughs> Terrence Williams was, you know, coveted they were just out especially williams was literally just outside that top 100 it's kind of a shame you might not get to see shedder play with dickinson uh because i'm you know i'm pretty sure dickinson's gonna go pro after this year. oh yeah i do expect it <laughs> I, I think the question but is, i feel is, like those two in tandem like shedder would have helped spread the floor a lot more because i think he plays the four spot but he's like a shooting type four, like a kenny goins type Interesting. I mean, there's part of me that kind of wishes we had another shooter out there. Um, I, I I think Michigan's roster makeup could go a couple different ways next year. Yeah. Because the <laughs> Houston and the Abate, who are both still really raw, are still projected late first rounders, second rounders. So uh, Michigan, if they have them next year as sophomores and kind of a little bit more well-rounded, they could be good players. Whereas Right now, yeah. Michigan's like really kind of a, a team without like uh, they have one guy who can really carry them, and then the rest are just kind of weird pieces that don't really mesh together perfectly well. Yeah. So, and all, by the way, Shedder is listed as a power forward. Yeah. Um, so all in all, to kind of wrap up this game, I, I think the story of the game was just Michigan State's point guards were able to get into the paint at ease, and then even though Michigan ended up out-rebounding Michigan State, and I, I believe they tied in turnovers. Yeah, ESPN.com's game recap says they both had 13 turnovers. Uh, it was just the depth and the the transition points for Michigan State that did them in. I mean, the second half defense was just outstanding. I think that was the best half of defense I saw from Michigan State since – the 2015 Elite Eight game against Louisville where they were down by like nine at halftime and forced to forced overtime and won to go to the final four. Like I think that's the best defense I've seen since that game for, for one half. It, it was it was something. Yeah, and it was a very frustrating to watch. Um I, I just just I it was frustrating because Michigan didn't change their defensive philosophy. Yeah. And then two um, just I, I didn't really like their philosophy when it came to running offense either. So it yeah. felt fixable. And, I mean, they really only had one or two ways to score, and it was just to throw it inside, and State could score a couple different ways. And then the three points, like it, it was just it was a just really bad shooting day. Yeah, and some of the shots weren't even, like, poor shots. It was just like, oh, that's not coming in. Yeah. And then, you know, um, and you could Michigan see has two small guards too, so – State was still up in the grill, even despite the fact that the uh, Jones and uh, Houston, or uh, not Brooks. Houston, yeah, Brooks were both like shooting three or four feet back off the line. Yeah, um, and you could you could see the tide turning late in the first half, where Michigan State was starting to pick it up. So that the halftime would have been an ideal time to, you know, we need to change this, otherwise they're going to run away with it. Yeah, Michigan State was already shooting a lot better, and you're only down four. Yeah. And to me, like it kind of, as from a Michigan State fan perspective, it made the game more enjoyable that it was so tense for the first twenty minutes, and then just having that second half, which we've we've well documented Michigan's second half struggles on this show, and not that Michigan State's like a great second half team, but they've they've played well in the second half, so I knew it was a possibility. 
but that that made the game more enjoyable that it was a tense game that turned into I mean Michigan might be turning around they came back and uh, beat Northwestern and Nebraska right. they flip-flopped that <laughs> Uh, on the next segment, we're going to talk about Michigan State's tense game at Merland and uh, their upcoming schedule. Okay. So let me preface this segment by saying I am happy that Michigan State won at Maryland on Tuesday night. Like, definitely glad about that. Let me get that out of the way but man like this team just doesn't really perform well on the road all the time i know they have that blowout win at wisconsin and they almost won at illinois but this team is just kind of starting to become like drew neitzel's last year where you're just going to be really solid at home you might drop one game but on the road is it's just like <laughs> against far even though the competition is so much less in, so much inferior to you, like they're still gonna be in the game for most of it. So I might want to go to Chrysler when Michigan State goes to town. You comes to town, you <laughs> men. <laughs> Maybe like, and I know Maryland is better than they've played. They still have talented players like Ayala and um, he, uh, who was that guy? Dante Scott, and then uh, Fats Russell, who sounds like he should be playing in a billy joel band or jazz you know yeah. or old blues singer <laughs> like they still have talent and i honestly think maybe danny manning is an upgrade from mark turgeon but they're point. also a little bit in shambles right now yeah so you would expect michigan state to like the, the state of maryland basketball it was right? a come down game i think yeah because this was uh how many days after the michigan game three three, three yeah, days that's what it was so again happy that they got the win huge for the big 10 race you know, the fact that Michigan State's eight and two now and this far into the season, they're still in the top tier of the Big Ten standings. I think they're only a half game out of first. Yeah. If they like, play the less less games. Yeah. So that, that means a lot. But it's the fact that it was they were up by fifteen in the second half. And you know how I mentioned having not an alpha dog, but a lot of quality players benefited Michigan State against Michigan. This game against Maryland was where having a guy know that he's the number one guy and he's going to be relied upon would have benefited Michigan State greatly because it wasn't like one big run that Maryland made. Like Maryland just kept chipping away at it. Like it was a 15-point lead and then it was a 12-point lead. And then it was, you know, a six-point lead, but Michigan State would make it a 10-point lead. And then it was a three-point lead, but Michigan State would make it an eight-point lead. And then eventually Maryland tied it with less than two minutes. Because they didn't have an alpha that, like, just put right, they didn't the have, run. Yeah, like, they didn't have somebody to just kind of be an a-hole. Like, Denzel Valentine, his last two years, would just kind of be a dick and just be like, all right, I'm taking over this game and, like, I'm gonna get into the I'm going to get into the paint and get fouled or I'm going to make sure that this guy doesn't – like, Michigan State has a lot of players who are capable, like – but they just don't have someone who is far and above like the leader of the team. And Malik Hall, like I said on the last segment, is probably Michigan State's best player at this point. And out of the two captains, him and Gabe Brown, no offense to Gabe, but Malik Hall's the one playing like a captain. Gabe Brown had that cold streak before Michigan, right? Yeah. And I was happy that Gabe Brown had a good second half against Michigan where he scored all his points. 
hit that deep three. Because he had zero at halftime. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And he only had five against Maryland. And there are times where I see Jaden Akins on the floor just doing all the little things right and not worrying about his shot. And when he gets his chance to shoot, he'll make about 50% of his shots. They're usually pretty good shot selections. And I know he's a freshman, and I know Gabe Brown is a senior and a captain who can shoot lights out. But there are there were times against Maryland where I was just like, I would much rather see Jaden Akins on the floor right now. Put Christy at the Brown. three. Put Christy, yeah. Because yeah. Gabe Brown plays the three, right? Yeah. yeah. So have have that multiple guard lineup and have Akins on the floor getting Brown's minutes. Because man, I, I don't want to go too hard on Gabe Brown because he performed very well at times this year, but it's he's just had a bad streak lately where his shots aren't falling and you can see that it affects his mentality and his rhythm. And at times he's out of sorts on offense. Like his first three years, he would be out of sorts on defense, but nowhere to be on offense lately. He hasn't had that issue on defense as much, but when he's like, when there are offensive possessions where Gabe Brown just stands in the corner for like the whole possession and the point guard and the big kind of run the show, that's a big problem for Michigan state. Dude, uh, he's a guy that we uh, called to get more minutes last year. And you were, even season one, you were like all about him because I didn't yeah. even know who he was because he didn't play that much during his freshman year. Right, yeah. Uh, and then the first part of this year, he seemed like he had, like was having a really good season. It's kind of, what, January when he kind of went cold? Yeah. And you're going to have to Garth it for a minute. I need to clear my nose, so <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, so just to talk about the way Gabe Brown has been playing, like I definitely think he has the potential to be a guy. I, I think he's still Michigan State's highest averaging points per game scorer, but it's becoming a trend now where he's just not he's, – he's putting together consecutive games where he just doesn't produce as much as you need him to. Get right or someone else is going to get your minutes. Right, and I – Max Christie gets a lot of minutes, and he also had a bad bounce-back game after playing really well against Michigan. Christie finished with uh, seven points, and I think only one made field goal. I think the rest were free throws. But Christie's a freshman who at times will just shoot lights out. Like, the ceiling for Max Christie is so far away from where he's playing. Like, some some days you see it, like, against Michigan or, like, when he's getting Big Ten Freshman of the Week. But sometimes he plays like he did at Illinois and at Maryland. But Gabe Brown, there are just fewer excuses for him because he's a senior. You know, he's been in the system for so long. So that was a frustrating plus Hogard again, you know, after that great game against Michigan where it felt like he had turned a corner and felt like his mentality had changed a little bit too where he was getting other people involved, which is the main point of the point guard position. Uh, He had a, a rough outing where, when when Michigan State needed to stop the bleeding, he kind of made a half-court lob to Gabe Brown that went like five feet above his <laughs> head and just kind of continued the run for Maryland to get back into the game. So I, I think Tom Izzo's not going to accept that type of effort from Hogard because Tyson Walker ended up playing 27 minutes, whereas Hogard ended up playing 14. And Walker, he played decently. Like He, he only made two field goals, but... One of them was a three, and we've been needing Tyson Walker to take more three pointers than he's been doing. But um, do you do you realize that uh, despite Illinois, 
or uh, excuse me, despite Maryland like being butt this year and not having very many power five wins, two of those are quadrant ones. Yeah, I know they beat Illinois and Florida, who's and Florida. 20th. Yeah, Florida's 20th right now. I think they played Florida, I want to say at Madison Square Garden the same day Purdue played NC State. It's, it's, and, oh, and it's it has an asterisk. Here, NC State so. almost beat Purdue that day. Oh, I watched that game too. Yeah. Um, For but, whatever reason, I used my time wisely. <laughs> <laughs> the positives of the game, which it was a road win in the Big Ten. That's big. Pun not intended. Um, Aikens played well. Malik Hall, again, off the bench, 25 points. Took, like, he's the player that does take control at times for Michigan State. I think he realized it late in the Illinois game that he needs to be the one to step up. The Michigan game, he was consistent all the way through. He finished with, I believe, a game high. Yeah, he finished with 16 points, which was more than anybody on the court, including the game winner. You know, he's somebody who you can count on to score when needed. He like he might be Michigan State's best three-point shooter at this point, which is crazy considering that they have Max Christie and Gabe Brown. Who do you think is the best one? Malik Hall. Okay. At least he's shooting it the most consistently at a high clip. I think he's shooting it almost 60% from three. And he doesn't – he's not like Tyson Walker who will only take one or two threes a game. Like he's shooting quite a few threes per game. Although against Maryland he did only take one three. Now that I look at the stats <laughs> – and uh, Bingham had a nice game where he, he scored 10 points. He hit two threes. Hauser continues to be somebody who understands his role. Like Gabe Brown seasons and Joey Hauser seasons have kind of <laughs> inverted, whereas Gabe Brown got off to a really nice start, and now he's kind of cooling and being frustrating. Whereas early in the season, I was so frustrated with Joey Hauser. Michigan State fans were up to here with Joey Hauser, and now Hauser's doing a lot of – the little things well and he like he had two baskets on tuesday night against maryland where the point guard one time it was hogard one time it was walker got a fast break going and just missed the layup but hauser followed it and just tipped the ball in at the right time that's two points each time down there that you get thanks to joey hauser doing his job well you end up winning the game by two you can't overlook those those baskets by joey hauser yeah so he credit to Hauser, he's been doing really Every well. Every point counts in a tight game like that. Yeah. And I was I was shocked how well Hauser played in the Michigan game too. I know we kind of touched on that in the last segment, but that's two really good games right there. Yeah. I mean, geez, just looking at Hauser's stats, he was four or five from the field, two of two from three, uh five rebounds, two turnovers, which sucks, and four personal fouls, but ten points. Like, not nothing that like jumps out to you. Like, whoa, you got to watch out for Joey Hauser. But just all these little things that he does well, he's starting to become someone that you do want on the floor more often for Michigan State. Like, I kind of look at Hall and Aikens as players that I want to see on the court more. Well, you see, you see Hall a decent amount, but I wouldn't mind seeing Aikens get more playing time now. Um, but Hauser's starting to be one of those guys that's going to be on the court in late game situations with the game on the line. That's definitely a twist. Not yeah. Something you would have expected <laughs> earlier in the season. Yeah. Twitter wanted to, you know. Oh yeah. Like no, that. we, a lot of Michigan state fans thought it was just a, the biggest mi- recruiting miss for Tom Izzo. To, but 
credit to Hauser and credit to Izzo for sticking with it and kind of doubling down because it's – who knows where Michigan State would be for, you know, the Wisconsin game without Hauser early on or this past game against Maryland without Hauser. Um, so overall, again, I'm pleased with that it's a win, but – the fact that Michigan State was up by 15 and just kind of slowly choked it away. Um, uh, I'm trying to make Joe stumble over here because <laughs> I'm reading. A, uh, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna read what the headline is on air, but I'm laughing at it, and I really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say what it was. But... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't need that uh, <laughs> used as evidence against me at some point. <laughs> but Michigan State did a good job again, closing the first half and starting the second half, like. They ended the first half on a 13 to two run to lead by 10. And I tweeted out from our account that they actually only had three first half turnovers. Like they won the turnover battle for once. And that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But this time it was the foul trouble that got them like at halftime, Bingham, Marble and Sissoko. That's all of the options at the five for Michigan state. Each had two fouls. And that's kind of how Maryland got back in. It was getting to the free throw line. And then, you know, the more they chip away at that lead, the crowd was dead for most of the game. It was at Maryland. And then, you know, they, they let the crowd get back into it. Yeah, I mean, when you're on the road, that the crowd ends up playing a big part. in uh... Right. If you can take an, an opponent's home crowd out of the game, that does so much for you. But then, you know, when a crowd was out of the game and now they're back in it, like that – is even more defeating than if they've been in it from the start, you know? Yeah. How do you see them playing against Rutgers? I I can see them losing to Rutgers and then beating Wisconsin, oddly enough. I know Tyler Wall will probably play for Wisconsin, but I just keep seeing Wisconsin, aside from their win at Mackey, which is maybe the best win of the year for anybody, um, they just haven't performed as well on the road as they have at the Kohl Center. Their numbers also, they've – well, and there's something to be happy about. There's something to say for this, but like they're they're uh like Torvik and Ken Palm are in love with them. Yeah. Um. I mean, I also think there's something about outperforming your numbers and winning close games, which they seem to be doing. But uh, yeah, I I think they're a really good team, but I don't think they're a great team. And there's definitely teams I like better. You're talking about Wisconsin or Michigan State? Wisconsin. I, I could see that applying to both teams. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I I think Michigan State's legit, and uh, I don't know. I, I I like Michigan State better. Yeah, you might have a good point about. I think Michigan that. State matches up well with Wisconsin, where Wisconsin coming to the Breslin Center. I feel like Michigan State plays well enough at home that it, they should win that game. Whereas at Rutgers, Rutgers is along the same lines. Where at the rack. They play better than what they are, and on the road, they are what they are. <laughs> um, I still can't believe they were down by 24 against uh, Northwestern. That's then I crazy, yeah. Then I can't believe they came back either. I love how Rutgers' athletic website that you're on right now says, keep chopping. <laughs> I know, um, what's his face? Who's their coach? Greg Schiano. I know Schiano, the week they were playing Michigan State, made such a big deal out of the fact that Mel Tucker has been using the keep chopping mantra for Michigan state there. And he's like, that's been a Rutgers thing since 2006. Yeah. Well, the Jaguars were using it like 20 years ago. So that's right. And Mel Tucker coached for the Jaguars. Yeah. Then so. we come to the bottom of it. Wasn't this, it yeah. Jack? Whoa. Whoa. Now I have to look up. <laughs> Anyways, keep chopping. Mich- 
It doesn't matter who started it. Michigan State has perfected it in football. It was Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio, yeah. Yeah, and Tucker was on that Jags uh, Kofi coaching staff. Kofi staff. Yeah, the Kofi Coburn staff. Um, so Rutgers, one thing about them is I feel like all of their players have really good length, like whether it's Mulcahy, that white point guard. Maybe he's not a point guard, but he's he's got good length. I, I love Honky. Yeah, he kind of looks like <laughs> Alex Caruso, how he's like kind of balding, but he still wears the, uh, the headband. I respect that a lot. Um, Geo Baker has been around forever. He's one of my favorite players in the league. What are you looking, looking at Alex Caruso? <laughs> this guy <laughs> mike's having a very distracting i don't know who is this you know alex caruso no <laughs> play for texas a&m anyways sorry. <laughs> oh. uh ron harper jr still plays for uh <laughs> sorry. the only caruso i know is uh david caruso you don't even know who that is do you I think I do. But anyways, I'm just looking at <laughs> Rutgers roster. I just think the way Rutgers plays at home at the rack is is going to be a problem for Michigan State. I'd be very, very happy if Michigan State got a win on Saturday against Rutgers, no matter how they got it. That's just one of those places where now that Steve Peichel, the coach, has... David Caruso was on CSI Miami, but again, Peichel, the rat. Right. Now that Peichel has established his program, Rutgers plays really well at home, and they have yeah. for the last few years. I think, I mean, Michigan State's, one of their worst losses last year was coming back from the COVID pause, playing at Rutgers, and losing by 30 points. Uh, I think they only scored 37 points in that game. So I, I just... Rutgers is one of those teams that just shoots a lot better at home than they do on the road. They got length that I think can bother Michigan State. Again, you know, turnovers are going to be key. Limiting offensive rebounds, second chance possessions for Rutgers. Like, I'm not saying Michigan State can't win or that, like, Michigan State winning would shock me, but I'm just kind of expecting a loss. Does that make sense? It just feels like it's coming or something. Yeah, it just feels like a loss is coming, but – which is maybe, maybe the Michigan State just has because they haven't shot it so super well lately. Maybe they have a bounce back game where Christie and Brown are both hitting shots and they come out with a win. But I'm kind of looking at the next week like expecting a loss at Rutgers, expecting a win uh, home against Wisconsin. Hmm. But yeah, just the more I watch this team uh, to like get more into a conversation about who they are as a team, they're very hard to get a finger on. But the more I watch them, I, th- I think they're a good team. They could win the Big Ten championship. But more and more, I just find myself not thinking this is a Final Four team. But, I mean, there have been teams that were worse at this point in the season that made a run at the Final Four. Really, the Final Four is all about just having the right pieces clicking at the right time. So I'm not saying they can't make a Final and Four. And matchups for who you're playing against. Yeah. But just looking at this team and the caliber and the inc- the inconsistencies – from top to bottom on the roster, like Malik Hall, as much as I've praised him, he's had some games where he comes out and just has a dud offensively. You know, eventually, like there, there's going to be a game where neither of the point guard options are working for Michigan State. Thankfully, most games, one of them has been working out. But 
is a solid team. They are fun to watch, even though they are extremely frustrating and not the typical Izzo team that will kind of suffocate you. Like they play well defensively, but just giving up those second chance points, that's just not a characteristic of an Izzo team that has been successful in the past. But my expectations are get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament at this point. Uh, you know, I hope hoping everybody stays healthy. These are the expectations that you can get to the second weekend. And maybe if you get the right matchup or maybe if you just get hot, you can make it to the final four. But this is a good team. I, I am kind of at the point where, yes, the toughest stretch of the schedule is still ahead. Like you still have to play Indiana and Purdue, um, Ohio State. They haven't played yet. But they should be playing for a championship on the last game of the season unless – they have a really bad stretch. Yeah, but that's that's kind of my thoughts on Michigan State. We only had the one game to talk about after the Michigan game. But yeah. big week coming up. I, th- uh, I do think it's a big week with uh, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and then a home game a week from Saturday against Indiana, who they should – again, that's a team they should beat. That uh, one's at – is that one at the Breslin? That's at the Breslin Center, yeah. yeah. So, they should beat uh, Indiana at home. They should. Yeah. But – I also uh, thought Indiana at home should beat Michigan, so who knows? Who knows? (laughs) All right, but we can talk Michigan on the other side. We're going to get into Michigan on the other side. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. Hey Mike, I know Michigan State basketball annoyed me this week and Illinois fans have been annoying you for a long time, but something that's not annoying is that Paul Bunyan podcast listeners can go to far-ebar.com, use the code Bunyan, is that correct? Yes, ten that's right, Joe. 10% off if they use the code Bunyan, all one word. And again, that's far-ebar.com. He's got lots of new products out, very colorful array. Uh, he's got jackets, hats, hoodies, t-shirts. I've got a few hoodies and shirts myself. So I'm not I'm not as much of a hat guy, but if you are, he's got some options there as well. I've been known to wear a hat once or twice, and I like to do it with some swag. So you can get a snapback hat or a bucket hat. Lots of different options on t-shirts and zip-up hoodies. Uh, so yeah, just make sure you check out our sponsor, Farbar. That's F-A-R-E-V-A-R.com. I got my swagger back. So Michigan versus Nebraska is one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. Michigan won 85 to 79. Hunter Dickinson only played 23 minutes and got 26 points. He sat 15 minutes in the first half oh, geez. with was two that... fouls. Okay. Yeah. He finished with two fouls. <laughs> <laughs> so he played. So you said he played 23 minutes total? Five minutes. So he in played the first... almost the full second half without getting another foul. That's impressive. Also, uh, when he went to the bench, I think it was, uh, let's see, I can find out exactly what it was. Michigan was down two, 
by halftime, it was... I know Michigan was losing at halftime. Yeah. They were down by seven at halftime. Uh, and then immediately Michigan goes on quite a run. Let me see. Yeah, so I was I was pretty basketballed out after the Michigan State-Maryland game. You know, that one came down to a last-second shot by Malik Hall to win it. So I was pretty out of it. I think I ended up watching Lord of the Rings with my roommates. <laughs> but I was I checked the score, and I was like, that can't be right. Nebraska's up by seven at halftime. So I kind of pulled that up on my phone right at the start of the second half. But pretty quickly in the second half, Michigan then – 20 to three. Run. Yeah. yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, I don't need to watch this. So. <laughs> yeah. They look like a totally different team against uh, when Hunter Dickinson was out there. It was oh. kind of crazy because they destroyed them on the road earlier this year. Right. It was like 103 to 67. Yeah. Something. They won by like 36. Um, you know, in the second half, they kind of coasted and cleared the bench and yeah. they just destroyed Nebraska. Everybody was having a good time. But I mean, Nebraska. part of it too. Um, uh, I didn't think Michigan was necessarily taking bad shots, but just threes weren't going in, open threes. And um, that made it harder. So they really depended on Hunter Dickinson. And then when Nebraska uh, adjusted after Michigan was up 10 and became very, very ugly basketball game, they were up by as much as I think seven uh, with like, yeah, they were up by seven with like six minutes left to play. Um, and, Michigan also scored the last six points, so at one point it was 79-79. Yeah. And it just was not, <laughs> it was not a good time. I was straight up not having a good time, man. Which is odd because usually like high-scoring games where the winner's at 85 and the loser's at 79, you think that might be like an exciting <laughs> game to watch. Just Michigan would go through periods of where they were cold. And, I mean, also part of the reason they got – to 85 as they open with that 20 to three run and just everything was going in. Um, and Hunter Dickinson was just, I don't know that. I mean, I, I, I really expected uh, him to like make an appearance like with five or six minutes left in the half, but no, I don't know if Juwan was trying to make a point. He didn't seem like he was. Um, yeah. Uh, Dickinson can't go out there and get two quick fouls in the first five minutes, but, <laughs> but you also need him like at some point, you just kind of ditch the two foul rule. Like, not every time, but there are special circumstances. There's, there's how strict you are with it. You can send the player to uh, the bench for 10 minutes with two fouls. I Another podcast I uh, listened to uh, uh, cited someone who, you know, does numbers on these things. And out of, like, the 360 college basketball programs, Michigan's auto bench, like, ranked 320th. So <laughs> there's uh, 320 uh, programs that aren't as strict with it and only 40 that are. So I'm sure Tom Izzo's <laughs> Spartans are <laughs> in that back 40. Yeah. I, I mean, I think every program feels like their coach yeah. <laughs> should be less with that. But, yeah, I mean, when there's such a big drop-off, too. Um, you can't lose to Nebraska. I mean, you actually kind of need style points at this point, too. That was my thought when I looked at the box score and saw that Nebraska wasn't just winning at halftime, but, you know, seven points. That's three possessions. I just thought, this is bad. Like, Michigan might not make the tournament, definitely. Like, if Michigan loses to Nebraska, they would have to go on some kind of streak to make You'd it have to make up for it with – some games. Right. You'd have to really win one that you're not supposed to. Uh, but thankfully, they did win. But, yeah, like you said, kind of in need of style points. So getting a tight win, it's it's good because it doesn't hurt you, but 
it it also doesn't help you as much now right now. Yeah. Um and the the wins against uh well the the wins against the win against Northwestern North and the win against Nebraska didn't really help them. Um right. You just avoided a big negative two big negatives on a resume. Yeah. And I actually want to pull up something because in this game, Michigan shot thirteen percent from three. And Jeez. I am looking at what they shot in the first game, and that was their percentage against forty-seven percent. Wow! So that's like two straight games for Michigan where the three-point shot just isn't falling. After you know, during the three-game winning streak they were on, they were shooting it very well. They actually, I know, uh, at one point, uh, and it was probably a week or two ago. Uh, I want to say it was Ken Palm. It might have been Torvik that said like Michigan has like the biggest like uh splits when it comes to games where they win and their three point percentage and games where they lose on their three point percentage. And that might not be there as much right now because they've won some games where they shot it poorly against like Nebraska and Northwestern. Yeah. Uh but that's still I mean and at one point I wanna say they were shooting sixty or seventy percent in the first game against Nebraska. Um, they had, I mean, they scored 51 points in both halves. Right. <laughs> Good times. And, and that was one of the first games, I think, that, like, Caleb Houston was feeling it. It was that in the San Diego State game. And that's the other thing is a lot of his offensive opportunities are shooting the three. And when he's not shooting well, Michigan doesn't really seem to go anywhere because he becomes a player they can't really depend on. Um, but you look at other things, and it's like – he was one of seven from the floor against Nebraska in 35 minutes. Yeah. Rebounds. Michigan out-rebounded them in both games. They look similar. Turnovers. They were about even. Michigan had 23 turnovers in the two games, and Nebraska had 20. Um, field goal percentage. Actually, it wasn't as big of a difference as you might think for Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was about less than 5% difference, but when you're – when you're shooting threes that poorly, that's the other thing. <laughs> Nebraska gave up a lot of points to Michigan in both games. Yeah. What else, what kind of helped too is, I mean, when Michigan's missing threes, that can give Nebraska opportunity to score points that right. they didn't in the first game. You get like those long defensive rebounds. It can be you. Can, it can learn, turn into runouts for the team. And yeah, it looks like three players clearly uh, shouldered the load for Michigan on Tuesday night. I mean, Dickinson at 26, Brooks at 20, Devontae Jones at 18, and then nobody else had more than six. Yeah, and I think uh, – I don't know if I said this to you off or on air, but Brooks is having a pretty good season, but I feel mm-hmm. like he tries to make up for a mistake, especially from uh, Houston's. And he seems pretty frustrated at, with him at times. Yeah. Um, but I mean you look and uh Brooks was the second leading scorer and I think he's right, led twenty points. I think uh uh after Dickinson he has led the team with uh he's probably their second leading scorer is the yeah. easiest way to say and it. He shot over fifty percent, like he was six of eleven from the field. So And Jones is you know, that that's kind of become their three guys they can really count on and they don't know they don't always know what they're gonna get out of Houston and Diabate. Mm-hmm. More so with Houston. Um Diabate, though, I mean, he didn't have a great game either. Six points, five rebounds. You need a little bit more from him from that. And I know he get, had a few assists. Yeah. Um, and he has to get blocks, too, especially if he's going to turn the ball over. 
Looks like Diabate really had foul trouble. He had four personal fouls in this one. He only played 22 minutes. I was going to say, he played less minutes than Dickinson. And, yeah. I, I mean, that was the thing. When they didn't have the two big guys down low, and then the bench is just really – you don't really get a whole lot from them. And I think Buffkin and Collins will be better. I still think Terrence Williams has something there. But that was an, that's another thing. When uh, Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns have big games, Michigan looks like a different team as well. Yeah. And there's just so much inconsistency with some of these players. When it's, Michigan was going on a run, Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns were actually putting something in that box score. They had big games against Indiana. Yeah. They combined for four points against Nebraska. And they played 34 minutes. And for Johns, I, I just feel really dis- – I'm not a Michigan fan, but I just feel really disappointed in him just because it's, it felt like in to, to close the year last season, he had turned the corner and it looked like it was clicking for him. And This is his worst year. He, he, yeah, showed, like he showed more as a freshman. It's a shame because he had kind of been building up each year and now it's just kind of like – yeah, and he, mean, he showed more as a sophomore, you know. Like, he wasn't starting, um, but he, he was someone that they were going to depend a lot on. There was, yeah. there was a lot of talk about, like, Diabate coming off the bench. And, and to be just, fair, he missed a few games due to COVID, but, you know. In his, he in he the looked last, better when he came back for a minute. In the last five games, he's got a total of 11 points. Like, that's rough. Granted, one of them he played well against Indiana, despite – only scoring five points, but it just feels like, um, especially before, uh, uh, especially before Jones kind of uh, picked up the system, kind of felt like Michigan had worst case scenarios with so many of their players. And not to be mean, but he kind of has a weird face too. I mean, look at picture. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't like it. <laughs> so, not to be mean, but I, I mean, there's a lot of faces I dislike more than that. So. Right? No, for sure. Like Fran McCaffrey's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're bringing up that up for no reason at all. It doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> me laughing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan really needs to pick it up. They need to be able to upset a couple teams. Yeah. Uh, if they get a few upsets without any real bad losses going forward. It's definitely they'll they'll definitely be in. I mean, even right now, so many people are down on this team and are kind of expected how close they are being in. I remember I was shocked after the Indiana game when I was like, I looked up and I'm like, what? Yeah. They're they're like technically in right now, like according to bracket matrix. Well, Mike, I have good news and bad news. Bad news is the rest of Michigan's schedule is pretty difficult. But the good news is there's going to be ample opportunity to pick up quality wins in that stretch. And my only thing is, is I actually fear Michigan playing poorly more than I fear some of those teams. Yeah. I don't think uh, Purdue's a great matchup and they play them twice. In the next, like, in, in five days. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, though, like, I think they could, I'm not saying they will, but I think they can beat Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yeah. They have another game against Indiana, and this one's in Chrysler, right? I don't think. Oh, I don't no. see Indiana on the schedule. Again. Oh, I just fi- I, yeah, that's right. You don't play every team so, twice anymore because we decided to add yeah. fourteen teams. So right now, Michigan stands at eleven and eight, and there are eleven regular season games scheduled remaining, and then at least one Big Ten tournament game. Uh, but there's two games against Purdue, two games against Ohio State, two games against Iowa. You know, you finish off the remaining games against Rutgers, Illinois, and Michigan State. And, and Penn, wait, they haven't played Penn State yet. But, they have and then two against Penn State, right? One against Penn State, one against Wisconsin. Oh, okay. 
So it's a little bit jumbled how I broke it down there, but there will be opportunities to get some good wins for Michigan and build a resume. So out of the 12 guaranteed remaining games, that's 11 regular season games and one big 10 tournament game. Is there like a magic number of wins? They have 12 left. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, eleven regular season games. Oh, then, oh, oh, and okay. then at least one Big okay, Ten tournament. Okay. Game. So I just wanted to like check with you. Do you think there's like a magic number? Well, let's talk about needed? the tournament games separate. Okay. Uh, so in the next eleven regular season games, they just need to win five. Okay. And then at least win one in the tournament. If they finish five hundred, they'll definitely be in. I think. Yeah, with with the quality and of of schedule that they'll have, because the Big Ten still gets a lot of respect for having good teams. I mean, Purdue's still a top five team. You know, between ten and twenty, you have Michigan State and Wisconsin and Illinois and Ohio State. Who Michigan has games against all those teams. So I just have a hard time seeing them uh, not put in a team that goes five hundred in the Big Ten too. Yeah. Um, I will say this: like in the last few years with Michigan and Purdue on similar footing, like being similar teams in terms of level, Michigan has gone to Mackey arena and taken care of business. But Saturday, I I don't see that happening. I really weekend. like Purdue's uh, team. And I actually think they're even better than their record, which is, I mean, I, right I now they're so, a one yeah. seed. Bracket matrix is almost a one seed right now. They've dropped a few games that are kind of confusing. Um, like particularly the home game against Wisconsin, probably the most. But yeah, I mean, Jaden. Well, Ivey, Rutgers is the one that Rutgers. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the one. That, that's like, why Michigan State going to Rutgers has me thinking it could be a loss. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers plays well. I I think this year was the first year Michigan has ever lost to Rutgers in basketball. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so right now in the immediate stretch, Michigan is at Purdue on Saturday, at Penn State on Tuesday, and then making up for. Uh, Oh, goodness, this is really jam-packed. Making up for the COVID loss of of the first Purdue game, Purdue's coming to Chrysler on Thursday, and then Ohio State's coming to Chrysler on Saturday. That really sets up. Probably uh, our next episode of the the Paul Bunyan podcast, we're going to have four games to talk about. Yeah, or we're going to have to squeeze one in there, which would be weird too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I really think um, Michigan almost needs to look at that first game as a scouting game. Mm-hmm. And get pissed if they lose, and then give it back to them when they come to Chrysler. Um, I think Michigan in like the last like ten years, um, especially the last five, six, or seven, especially if you look at who's like the favorite, they've mm-hmm. kind of really had a really good run against Purdue yeah. as a program. And between the two teams, I know Michigan's definitely done better in March. Uh, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> Jordan <laughs> is it Jordan Ivy? Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey. <laughs> Travion Williams. Travion Williams. They might be the two best players in the Big Ten. Travion Williams comes up, comes off the bench for them, too. Like, I believe Zach Eady, uh, one of those really tall, lanky, you know, one of those guys that Matt Painter builds in a lab. <laughs> I think he gets the start for Purdue. And he's good, too. And then you also got... Travion Williams has become such a good passer, too. Yeah. So, That's what really separates, like, Purdue from uh, Illinois is... Uh, uh, Travion Williams is so much more versatile than uh, Kofi Cockburn. And then Eric Hunter also puts in a lot of good minutes. Who's that dude that can Sa- shoot the three? Sasha Stefanovic, yes. who yes. I was just about to bring up. He's been, 
him and Trent Frazier and Brad Davison and Geo Baker have all been around the Big Ten for 50 years now. Yeah, I mean, they had games against uh, Darren Darren Williams uh, right. at Illinois. I remember Mateen Cleaves going up against Trent Frazier. <laughs> um, so Purdue, they've got good depth, but yeah, just very talented team. They have dropped a few that are surprising, but I, I agree. I think they're better than their record, and the record's pretty good. Yeah. So, and I mean, if guys like uh, 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 Brandon Johns aren't bringing it, you know, go to Howard. Right? We were talking. Were we talking about that off air or on air? That might be <laughs> in the first segment now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But go, Jace Howard. Yeah. Go to Jace if, Howard. If if, uh, if if Johns isn't gonna bring it, yeah, then, yeah. I, I should probably shouldn't say Howard. People are like, what? Bring the coach in? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Jawan. Juwan, I think Jawan should be. I there. thought Jet was next year, um, but yeah, you know, uh, when Michi- Jason, your face when J- <laughs> when Michigan had like that three game run that really like got t- uh, people excited, you know, against Indiana and Illinois. Um, like mm-hmm. like their enthusiasm on defense and the energy is kind of what made up for someone like the skill shortcomings on defense, you know, and, you know, there's something to be said about effort and defense. A lot of it is effort. And it's like, as well as they can score in the paint and as well as they rebound, you need something else, you know, and Jones can't be the only perimeter player uh, doing it. Cause uh, you know, Caleb Houston's a young guy. I think if he isn't 18, if he's 18 now, he definitely wasn't at the start of the season. He like skipped a year of high school. Yeah. He's not going to be able to shoot the three every year, every night. And you don't know how long you're going to have him and Diabate. So take advantage of what they do bring to the table. And if some of the guys aren't putting in the effort, then bring someone else off the bench. Because Michigan is, despite the bench not being, not producing, they actually have quite a few players on the team. It's just yeah. some of them are young and some of them are inexperienced. And some of them, like for whatever reason, like Brian Johns, are just having an off year. And for as many Purdue players as I just listed, I, I didn't even bring up Mason Gillis or Caleb first. Uh, who both are younger players. Like Purdue has a good mix of experience and then talented youth. Caleb first, I believe, is a freshman. But is this Purdue's best team? I think so. In a long time. Like Jaden Ivey is shooting over 43% from three. Sasha Stefanovic is shooting over 42%. Mason Gillis is shooting over 52% from three. And then they're they're averaging a lot of rebounds per game. Like they're they're just so deep. Like they could be the deepest team in the Big Ten. I it think. always seems like either Purdue has like a pretty deep team, but no like um, uh, elite Big Ten players. I would say, like, yeah, good. Big I would Ten say players. that's different now with Jade and Ivy, but yeah, in the past, no, no. Like, but then when they do have that, it feels like they lack depth, like uh, Caleb Swanigan. Yep, like that was a good team, but they didn't have this kind of depth. Right. I think the only time they had the talent and depth, unfortunately, Robbie Hummel kept getting injured. Like when they had Hummel who, and who's John. now a Big Ten announcer? Right. What was that like 2009 or something? Yeah, and he might be the best announcer like, <laughs> that they have. But yeah, like back when they had Juwan Jones and um, goodness, I'm forgetting somebody else who was a pain. Well, in the I mean, ass. it was like but, you know the baby boomers. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was Hummel and Juwan Jones and someone else. But that was the last time they had like the talent and the depth. And that now, was a long time ago. I think that was like Beeline's third year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, Anthony Wright was still playing. I think so. <laughs> yeah, a- like so Ivy, Edie, Stefano Fitch, and Williams are probably like the main players you got to worry about. But then you can also get hurt by Gillis and Hunter and Caleb first. Like, 
they got a lot of people who average like over, between 13 and 25 minutes per game. That's like, fair. I don't even know there were that many minutes in a game <laughs> for, for so many players to be like averaging that much. But sorry, I'm just looking. I'm just doing a deep dive on Purdue's roster because I haven't really gotten to watch them as much <laughs> this year. And you know how much I hate Purdue, so. I, I like I said, we should do a, a segment on who you like, like and dislike. And right. We of. we have a few future segments planned. One of which is going to be who owns Mr. Brightside, the song by the Killers. Um, I think the Killers own it, or the record. Label. Well, I mean, between me, <laughs> between me and all the Michigan fans, who owns it, <laughs> and then. Uh, also, like I've, I'm always telling Mike about all the basketball programs. I no, hate. there's football too. Yeah, football. And I feel like actually you're more... a fan base. I'm just gonna say, like Michigan State fans will randomly hate like Stanford football. It's like, didn't you beat them in the Rose Bowl? What's yeah. so hateable about them? <laughs> like David Shaw is like. There I don't are know. more. There are more college basketball programs that I hate because of my ties to Michigan State and what they did. Um, football. I mean, outside of Big Ten teams, like I hate Baylor. I can't stand Baylor. Well, they 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 were like showing their ass in that game. Yeah, but Stanford didn't. If I don't remember, I don't. I haven't seen anybody hating on Stanford. Uh, what's but, that Joey guy's name? Uh, I, I remember. Uh, I mean, on we, Twitter, what's that Joey? We like to we like to make fun of Colorado for being a puddle program and didn't want to pay Mel Tucker. <laughs> but <laughs> um, for me, there are more basketball programs that I hate than football. If that makes sense, there are a few. Like, I hate Michigan football and basketball. Like, I hate Wisconsin football and basketball. But, like, basketball, I only hate Indiana and Purdue. I don't I don't even know if they have football teams. Which is uh, funny because isn't the Michigan State-Indiana uh, game? Uh, that's right. That's the old brass platoon game. I don't hear Michigan State fans go after Purdue as much, it seems like. I, I hate Purdue. I don't know about Or not Purdue, Indiana. I hate Indiana. It, it, and then it feels like Michigan-Indiana is more bad blood. And then Michigan State and Purdue have more bad blood. Yeah. And I'm looking up who I saw a Michigan, a specific Michigan. He was clowning Stanford. Yeah. Oh, where'd it go? Salty Smarty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have him on the show and ask him why he hates Stanford football. I'll have to, yeah, to ask him. (laughs) That seems random. I I should tweet him right now. I'm doing it. I'm doing it on air. Always doing it. This makes for really good radio. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be weird. Good um, stuff. So, anyways, getting back to Michigan basketball, um, it's it's going to be a jam packed schedule, but I could see them pulling off a few wins that boost their resume. I mean, the last week of the season, I didn't think Michigan State was going to make the tournament last year, and then they had that hell of a run where in like right. one week they had like three quad wins or something. Right. In like the last two weeks they Yeah. I'm sorry, I did not I didn't mean for you to stop talking. I totally interrupted your train of thought. But I feel like we have a live audience because uh Jack Williams on Twitter just said, Call me crazy, but I think Michigan puts up a big fight against Purdue tomorrow. That would make me feel a lot better because about feels... the Chrysler return game. Just in general, because yeah. uh I I, I, I've, I can rationalize the close game against Northwestern. But like Nebraska is like awful, and I know they've gotten better, but uh, you know, Northwestern beat Michigan State, put up a fight against Illinois. 
They look dominant at times against Rutgers. Okay, Michigan. But Nebraska's, like, winless. It would have been really embarrassing for their one win to be against Michigan. At Michigan. And then, you know, they get blown out in the second half against Michigan State. Like, just just showing some fight would really, like, make me feel better. And if they do put it up on the road, then, like I said, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they beat them. And, I mean, Purdue is a big one. If you beat Purdue in Indiana – like now you're starting to build a little bit of a resume. Yeah. And uh, I said I, I looked at uh, Michigan's the last team out on the bracket matrix, but you know there's a lot of uh, brackets they don't appear on. And I mean that's the nature of being the last one out. But you know what really helps you is if everyone kind of if there's a consensus that you're in, and then it's like okay you might have a, right. You feel like your you seed might be in the double digits, but at least you're safely in. Yeah. So just looking at it, like I, as it stands right now, I think Michigan wins at Penn State. I think they beat Iowa at least once, and then they beat Rutgers at Chrysler. Um, I think for Michigan, I I think they could win two of the three home games against Illinois, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and those are all pretty crammed. And then you're in at that point, I think, unless you, like, lose against, like, Minnesota. That's how Michigan State got in. Like, they had that early season win at Duke. They had two wins against Indiana, but then they had that stretch where they just – just home games beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan, and that's how they got in. Yeah, and I mean, since they were like one of the last four in or whatever it was, like the, the committee, kinda, really, yeah. it was like if you didn't win one of those, we weren't going to put you in. Right, exactly. And it was weird so, too because with these games that get postponed or canceled, you're like, record looks weird. What Michigan State was fifteen and twelve last year. Right. Yeah, but and then, I mean them. that's almost why I think that Michigan needs to win one tournament game is at least so then you're like. You're keeping your record at 500. Yeah, and know? then you know, where depending on where you're seated in the Big Ten tournament, you're going to be playing against somebody who's on similar footing as you, and then you'll move on to play someone who's better. So yeah. you'll have another like it'll boost your strength strength of schedule. And then you also have more opportunities too there if you get on a tournament run. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> this one kind of dragged on a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure if I'd have enough things to say, but I did. <laughs> and we got really off topic. We did. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys check us out on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod. Yep. Right. Email us at the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can catch us by way of Anchor on all of your favorite podcasting apps, wherever yep. you find podcasts. Anywhere you catch podcasts on your podcasting app of choice. Wherever you cast pods, yeah, um, we will be there. Like us, rank us. Uh, it really does help. I don't know how the algorithm works, but for whatever reason, if you rate us five stars, like we come up in more feeds. Right. We're already battling that other Paul Bunyan podcast. It's like an outdoor podcast or something. Who do they think they are? Yeah, I'm what you call indoorsy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we should take this podcast outside and show them who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll we'll have another uh, podcast in like a week. Um, we'll try to fit it in when there's some crazy scheduling going on. Yeah. But until next time. Thanks for you. joining us.